And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, <laughs> when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the captivating Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Ronald Coleman stars in a tale well-calculated to keep you in suspense from 1945. But first, it's Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Doreen must correctly answer more questions about weird Halloween trivia than I. Lisa Wolf Hall is our moderator. Lisa, please say hello to Doreen. Of course, we have Doreen on the phone from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Doreen. Hi, Doreen. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Carl. We're Lisa. so glad to have you with us. <laughs> yes, we are. So nice to have you here. All right, so what is this? What crazy so Halloween some crazy trivia? Crazy Halloween trivia questions, and we'll see how we do. Yeah. All right, Doreen, the first question is for you. Um, from the 1984 Ghostbusters movie, where do the Ghostbusters find their first ghost? In what location? Mm. Oh, shoot. You would ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, don't maybe Carl could help since, you out. I don't know. I I've seen that movie since 84. Well, not since 84 anymore. Well, right. I, don't know. I was eight in 1984. <laughs> uh, I was older than that. You can just give it a wild guess. Um, not you, Doreen. Oh, the bathroom? I don't know. The bathroom. Close. Really? <laughs> but not quite. Carl, uh, you got a guess? I have no idea. Uh, in New York, New York Public Library. Ah. In the library. All right. So all right. Both got that Carl, one Carl, in the Friends episode titled The One with the Halloween Party, Okay. what does Phoebe dress up as? Phoebe? Mm-hmm. Um, a cat? I'm sorry, but that's a good guess. Do you have any idea, Doreen? I don't have a clue. That's but okay. They'll get easier. Out. She dressed up as Supergirl. 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 All right. All right. We're, Dor- we're off to a really, All right. this is a strong really start. good start, Doreen. Doreen, in Modern Family, who is the family's avid Halloween lover? Uh, I don't know if I'll take a guess. Sure. Manny? What did you say, Manny? Oh, that was a good guess. But not the right I one. actually know this one. Do you? Because I saw this episode. Did you? What is it? Yeah, the wife, Judy Bo, Julie Bowman, Bowman. Yes, bada, bada, Claire, bada. which is Julie Bowen. Yeah. So I'm going to give right, that. So this is for Doreen. You got it. This is for Carl. <laughs> Carl, in yes. what town is it illegal uh-huh. to ask <laughs> to for- To what? To yeah, what, Yeah, exactly. I'm stopping yeah. right there. To what? To ask for candy on Halloween if you're over the age of 13. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll take the state. The state? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say... Oregon. No. 
Do you have any idea, Doreen? Maine? It's Belleville, Missouri. Bel- oh, that's goodness. not the it's state. The Missouri. <laughs> oh, Missouri. I was giving you the town and the state. Oh, okay. Okay. So just in that, just in that town, not the whole just state. Just in that town. Okay. I was okay. just making it a little bit easier. Right, I just want to clarify. Doreen, when was the last full moon on Halloween? What year? Twenty mm. twenty. Uh, yes. What? <laughs> That's right. Did you know? What? No, that was a guess. Wow! Holy! We had moly, a little mental telepathy going on back there. Doreen, we're tied nice up one. now. We're tied Carl, up. Carl. Yeah. And you only have to name one. Mm-hmm. What spices are in a pumpkin spice pie? But you only need to add one spice. Cinnamon. Yes, that is ah. correct. Cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, ginger, allspice. Cinnamon is correct. I'm sure you're really good at making one of those, too. Oh, I'm uh-huh. an excellent cook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Doreen. He's, t- he's trying to hint that, you, that he wants one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's got a long wait. <laughs> I don't want one if Lisa's going to make it. <laughs> oh, you're mean. Isn't he <laughs> bad, Doreen? He's so mean. Uh, I get mean around Halloween. You get mean as the night goes on. Yeah. Doreen, how many pounds, and I'll see whoever's closer on this one, uh-huh. was the largest pumpkin ever weighed? Wow, that's according a good, good to, question. According to my, you know, good, Wikipedia. Good question. <laughs> 935. 935. I'll say Carl? 934. <laughs> You're awful. You're an awful human being. <laughs> Carl is closer because it was eight <laughs> eight hundred thirty six pounds. That's for me. He's bad. He's Doreen. bad. Doreen. All right, but here he's. You're going to get him back, Doreen, on okay. this one because it's another number, and I will take who's ever closer. Carl, he's oh wicked. Uh, okay, now listen closely, I'm terrible. Carl. I'm evil. How many seeds? Are in the seeds? average pumpkin. How many seeds? Yes. A lot. Well, you're going to have to give me a number. Um, I'm going to say 400. Okay, now, Doreen, what is your guess? <laughs> uh, 200. <laughs> Doreen, try again. <laughs> <laughs> you get another guess. If I were her, uh, I'd say 399. Or 401. Or 401. As the case might be. <laughs> what, what do you think? <laughs> 401. There we go. That is right. It's about 500. <laughs> and here's for me. Actually, I was pretty close with 400, you right? You were. Uh, without, door- without saying the word, it was without saying the word, you know what paybacks are, right? That's <laughs> right. They are. That's for sure. That's right. Doreen, what fairy tale popularized pumpkins? Oh. Fairy tale. Mm. You want a clue? Yeah. Uh, I'll say Disney mm. fairy tale. Oh, which, um, um, um. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Cinderella. Yes. That, Carl, you had no idea. One, le- one more, right? All right, last one. No, I did. I did know that. You did know yeah, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, you did. Okay, <laughs> Carl. After you said it, I did. Okay. Here's another. <laughs> here's another number question. Final question. All right, Carl. What percentage of water are pumpkins made of? Um, 79%. Doreen? I'll try 80%. There you go. 90% (laughs) is the right answer, Doreen. You got it. Way to go, Doreen. (laughs) Nice work. You uh, beat the host uh, on this Halloween edition. 
of uh, Hollywood 360. You're an amazing player. Thanks, Doreen. Thank you. Thank you, Doreen. It was such a pleasure having you play here. On Lisa, you were eh. Lisa, yeah. eh. I wrote some weird questions. Yeah, that was good. Really Thanks. good. All right. When, when we come back, we have a suspense episode you will not want to miss. It's called August Heat. It's fantastic. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Lisa, we are inching our way to the fundraising goal to transfer all 78 episodes of Bold Venture. And this is quite a task. We are trying to save the radio series Bold Venture, which starred Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. I licensed the entire series, all 78 episodes, from the producer of the series, Frederick Ziv's Estate. And um, he had his own personal uh, library of master recordings of those 78 episodes. Now, 18 episodes have not been heard in over 70 years. And these uh, these 16-inch discs were in a temperature-controlled warehouse for the last about 70 years. And so it's uh, not a uh, inexpensive proposition to transfer these professionally. You have to clean them for hours and hours and hours in a sonic cleaner. Then you have to transfer them with special styli. And it is, um, it is not cheap. So we are asking our listeners to contribute to the cost to make the transfer. And when they do, they will get these episodes. You can get all 78 episodes of Bold Venture in pristine, I mean pristine quality. It will be like nothing you've ever heard. And uh, this was the only radio series that starred Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. So it is a monumental series. You will have all 78 episodes if you would like. And uh, you can get them either via digital download or on 39 CDs. We are also making CDs and sending them to people who pledge uh, a certain amount that will get you the full series. So we are asking our listeners, and we have had about 150 of our listeners so far pledge towards this goal of um, transferring these Bold Venture episodes on our Kickstarter website. All you have to do to help in this process and get these episodes in pristine quality is to go to our uh, Kickstarter website. So just Google Bold Venture Kickstarter. That's the easiest way. Just uh, in your search uh, bar, just just search 
Bold Venture Kickstarter. Or you can go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. There will be a pop-up that says Bold Venture, Save This Series. Click that. takes you to the Bold Venture um, website. Now, the, um, the more important thing is if we do get through and transfer these and hit our fundraising goal, we need about another 150 people because we're almost halfway there. So if we can do this, then the next one we are going to do is all 218 episodes of, Bol- of Boston Blackie. And then we'll go on to I Was a Communist for the FBI and other series that Frederick Ziv produced. So please help us. We really need your help. Time is running out. We only have uh, another couple of weeks to hit our fundraising goal. So please go to uh, your search bar, put Bold Venture in, and Kickstarter, and you'll go to our website. Please help. All right, time for one of the best episodes from Suspense. It's called August Heat. It stars Ronald Coleman, May 31st, 1945. Here's Suspense. Now, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California presents... Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you the distinguished actor, Mr. Ronald Coleman, in one of the great suspense stories of our time, August Heat. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. More Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Yes, right now a glassful would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you a remarkable tale of suspense. And with August Heat, W.F. Harvey's matchless narrative of premonition and the brooding terror of twilight and the unseen, and with the performance of Ronald Coleman, Roma Wines hope indeed to keep you in suspense. Eastern Road, Clapham, August the 20th, 1945. I have had what I believe to be the most remarkable day in my life. And while the events are still fresh in my mind, I wish to put them down on paper as clearly as possible. Let me say at the outset that my name is James Clarence Withencroft. You must remember that in order to have the full implication of my story. James Clarence Withencroft. I'm 40 years old, in perfect health, never having known a day's illness. By profession, I'm an artist. Not a very successful one, but I earn enough money by my black and white work to satisfy my necessary wants. My only near relative, a sister, died five years ago. 
so that there is no one in particular to whom I address this manuscript. Only you, who might by chance read it someday. For because of the peculiar circumstance about which you will soon hear, I have the strong premonition that I shall never live to tell anyone about it. I breakfasted this morning at nine at the usual time. It was no different from any other morning, and after glancing through the morning paper, I lighted my pipe, and I proceeded to let my mind wander in the hope that I might chance upon some subject for my pencil. The room, though, door and window were open, was oppressively hot, and I had just made up my mind that the coolest and most comfortable place in the neighborhood would be the deep end of the public swimming bath, when when I, I was suddenly shaken. A feeling swept over me such as I'd never experienced before. I attempted to rise to my feet, but somehow it seemed as though I had suddenly been fastened to my chair. My hand went out in an effort to brace myself, and then, before I knew what I was doing, my pencil was in my hand, and I began to draw. It was as though someone had taken my hand and was moving it across the paper. Swiftly, in bold strokes. And then I seemed to take over. My hand under its own power began to draw. I soon forgot the oppressive heat. Everything was forgotten in this frantic feeling that the sketch must be finished as soon as possible. I had no idea how long I worked until I heard the clock of St. Jude's in the distance. It was four o'clock, and I had started just after breakfast. Now, for the first time since I'd begun, I actually seemed to see what I had been sketching. I was surprised. The final result was, I felt sure, the best thing I'd ever done. It showed a criminal in the dock, immediately after the judge had pronounced sentence. The man was fat, enormously fat. The flesh hung in rolls about his chin. It creased his huge, stumpy neck. He was clean-shaven, or perhaps I should say a few days before he must have been clean-shaven, and he was almost bald. He stood there before the judge, his short, clumsy fingers clasping the rail, looking straight in front of him. The feeling that his expression conveyed was not so much one of horror as of utter, absolute collapse. There seemed nothing in the man strong enough to sustain that mountain of flesh. And then, and then I saw that the sketch wasn't complete, for the man's other hand seemed to be clutching an instrument of some kind, a weapon, but, but it hadn't been completed. I had made this sketch, and yet I had no recollection of what I'd intended the man to carry in his other hand. I took up my pencil again, and I attempted to fill in the fuzzy outline but it was useless. It was as though my fingers had suddenly turned to lead. I sat down, and I felt the moisture slowly forming on my forehead. And once again, I was conscious of the oppressive heat. Then I knew that there would be no finishing of the sketch. At any rate, not for the moment. So I rolled it up, and without quite knowing why, I put it in my pocket. In spite of my peculiar inspiration, I was filled with a rare sense of happiness which the knowledge of a good thing well done gives.
I believe that I set out with the idea of calling upon Trenton, for I remember walking along Lytton Street and turning to the right along Gilchrist Road at the bottom of the hill where the men are at work on the new tram lines. From there onwards, I have only the vaguest recollection of where I went. Through parks, along crowded streets, always conscious of the awful heat that came up from the dusty asphalt pavement in a suffocating wave. And I remember, too, the hollow sound of my footsteps as I moved along. Although walking aimlessly, I somehow knew that there was a goal, a something to which I was drawn. I longed for the thunder promised by the great banks of copper-colored clouds that hung low over the western sky. I've really no idea how far I walked when a small boy roused me from my abstraction. Got the time, mister? Uh, Twenty minutes to seven. Thanks. Aren't enough for you, sir? Yes. When he left me, I began to take stock of my bearings. I found myself standing before a gate that led into a yard bordered by a strip of thirsty earth. There were flowers, purple stock and scarlet geranium, and great numbers of bees droned over them. I stood looking down at them for a moment, and then for some reason I looked up. Over the entrance to the place, there was a board with the inscription, Charles Atkinson, Monumental Mason, Worker in English and Italian Marble. From the yard itself came a cheery whistle, the noise of hammer blows and the cold sound of steel meeting stone. A sudden impulse made me enter, and I went in the direction of the noise. There was a man sitting with his back towards me. He was busy at work on a slab of curiously veined marble. Then, without turning, his hammer stopped in midair as he was about to bring it down on his chisel. He held this position a moment before turning. But I knew that he was aware of my presence, and when he turned, I saw his face. It was, although I'd never seen him before, it was the face of the man I had been drawing. All right, this is one of the best episodes of Suspense, and that's saying a lot. Because Suspense was on the air 22 years and had some of the greatest radio mystery episodes of any series. And this is one of the best out of the 22 years. It's called August Heat, and it stars Ronald Coleman. We'll get back to it in a flash. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl, Amari, and I co 
co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, this is Hollywood 360, and we're listening to an incredible episode of Suspense. We'll get back to it in uh, in just a moment. Um, hey, I want to tell you really quickly about the Classic Radio Club. It is a club that we uh, started, I'm guessing now, Lisa, five, six years ago, right? The time flies, Carl. You know, we have so many classic radio shows. We can't air them all. You know, we have um, uh, recordings, uh, almost 100,000 recordings direct from the master uh, source material because we license these shows from, you know, all of the estates and the companies and uh, producers that produce these radio shows. And so um, I've been doing this for over 40 years, licensing these radio shows. And we have so many shows, and we want to share them with people. And a lot of people like to collect them. They like to have these on CD or digital download. And we started a club for that very reason, for our listeners to be able to get these shows, along with a booklet that details the history of the shows, Every month, about every 30 days, if you're a Classic Radio Club member, you will receive a 10-episode, either 5-CD set with a booklet, or you'll get those same 10 shows emailed to you with a PDF of the booklet if you're a digital member. And uh, you get a new one every 30 days. And we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Classic Radio Club members. And um, the support of those members help um, further this radio show. So they're like an internal sponsor. Classic Radio Club is a sponsor of this program. Now, it uh, makes a great gift for yourself or for a friend or family member. And you can sign up a friend if you'd like. It is a gift that keeps on giving each and every month. You get this uh, really cool five-CD set or the digital downloads. We also include the uh, podcast of Hollywood 360 and the Radio Rarities sent to you each and every Monday free as part of your Classic Radio Club membership. So if you'd like to uh, learn more about joining and becoming a Classic Radio Club member, just go to our website, which is ClassicRadioClub.com. Pretty easy, right, Lisa? Yeah, good thing I thought of it. Yeah, I know. Classic. Finally, you thought of something. Finally, one good you know, idea I mean, after 16, 16 years, years, right? I mean, but wow. it was a very good one. Right, so, so it's gives worth you, a, gives me another 16 years to come up with something. Yeah, ClassicRadioClub.com. <laughs> now, if, you, uh, if you've already checked out the site and you would like to call and sign up, we're here uh, for the next few hours. That number to talk to either Lisa or myself to sign up for the club is 815-900-7535, 815-900-7535. Now, if we don't answer, that means we're on the phone with somebody else or we're on the air, we'll call you back. Just leave a number, 815-900-7535. And I can't stress enough what a great gift this is. 
The holidays are coming. If you want to um, sign up a family member or yourself or your wife or your husband or whatever, it's a great gift, and um, they will love it. You will love getting these CDs in the mail every 30 days or the digital downloads. You can call us, 815-900-7535, or visit our website, ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, we're listening to Suspense. This stars Ronald Coleman in what I promise you is one of the best episodes from the series. It's called August Heat, sponsored by Lisa's favorite potent potable, Roma Wines. She has two gallons with her today, and she there she is. She's balancing them. She, you're d- done with almost one of them already. Wow, you're well. You're it's a five-hour show, so yeah. I have to prorate. Yeah. All right. So good job, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, May thirty-first, nineteen forty-five. Here's the conclusion to suspense. Yes, it was the face of the man whose sketch was in my pocket. He sat there. On his low stool, huge and elephantine, the sweat pouring from his scalp, not speaking. Then he took a red silk handkerchief and he mopped his brow. Although this face that looked up at me was the same as my sketch, the expression was absolutely different. Suddenly the puzzled expression left his face and he smiled, as if we were old friends, and he walked over and he took my hand. Good day, sir. Good day. I'm sorry to intrude. Not at all. Everything is so hot and glary outside. This is like an oasis in the wilderness. Mm, I don't know about an oasis, but uh, it certainly is hot. Take a seat, sir. He pointed to the end of the gravestone <laughs> on which he was at work, and I sat down. Uh, very hot. That's a beautiful piece of stone you've got hold of. Uh, in a way, it is. The surface here is as fine as anything you could wish. But there's a big floor at the back, though I don't expect you'd ever notice it. Oh, I shouldn't think so. Ah, I could never really do a good job of a bit of marble like this. It'll be all right in the summer like this. It, it wouldn't mind the blasted heat. But wait till the winter comes. Winter? Hmm. There's nothing quite like frost to find out the weak points in stone. Oh. A uh, gravestone, you see? Oh, I see. Yeah. Then what's this one for? <laughs> you would hardly believe me if I was to tell you it's for exhibition, but it's the truth. Artists have exhibitions, so do grocers and butchers. Well, we have them too. All the latest little things in headstones, you know. He went on to talk of marbles, which sort of marble best withstood wind and rain, and which were easiest to work. Then of his garden, and some new sort of carnation he had bought. At the end of every other minute, he would drop his tools, wipe his shining head. This heat, this heat's bad. A man's not responsible for what he does in this heat. I said little, for I felt uneasy. There was something unnatural, uncanny in all of this. A feeling that I'd experienced it all before. The oppressive heat, the fragrance of the stocks in the air, the conversation about the marble, the flowers... Everything as though I'd experienced it before. And yet I knew that I'd never been in this section of the town before. I tried to persuade myself that at least I had seen him before. That his face, unknown to me, had found a place in some out-of-the-way corner of my memory. 
but I knew that I was practicing little more than a plausible piece of self-deception. As I sat there quietly watching him, he looked up at me and he said, There. What do you think of that? He said it with an air of evident pride, of a job well done. I could sense that he was experiencing the same feeling I had experienced when I'd finished my sketch. Then he got up with a sigh of relief. <sighs> Hot. Hot, isn't it? I was seated in such a position that I was unable to see his work. And for some reason, I didn't move. Suddenly, he began to read what he'd carved on the tombstone. He spoke deliberately and with a flat voice. In the midst of life, we are in death. Born January 18th, 1905. I looked up with a start. This man had read my exact birth date. He passed away very suddenly on August 20th, 1945. That's today. Hmm. We usually use the present date on these exhibition stones. Do you... Do you usually put a name on them, too? Yes, yes. Uh, sacred to the memory of James Clarence Withencroft. shudder swept over me, and I sat there in silence. The sound of birds and crickets seemed loud in my ears. As we stood there, looking at each other, saying nothing, and then he mopped his brow again. Hot. Hot. I was finally able to speak. Where, where did you see that name? Huh? Oh, I didn't see it anywhere. I wanted some name, and I... Put down the first one that came into my head. A strange coincidence, but it happens to be mine. Huh? That's your name? You're uh, James uh, Clarence... Uh... Withencroft, yes. Whoa. And... Uh, and the dates? I can only answer for the birth date. It's correct. Oh, that's a rum go. I made a sketch this morning. Of you. Of me? But you've never seen me before. No. Oh. Oh. I took my sketch from my pocket and I showed it to him. As he looked, the expression on his face altered until it became more and more like that of the man I had drawn. And it was only the day before yesterday that I told Mariah there were no such things as ghosts. Neither of us had seen a ghost, but I knew what he meant. Then I spoke to him. You... 
You probably heard my name someplace. Yes, you, you must have seen me somewhere. I've forgotten it. Yes. Uh, were you at um, uh, uh, Clacton on Sea uh, last July? No. No, I've never been to Clacton in my life. Oh. Then we were silent for some time again. And we stood there looking at one another and at the two dates on the gravestone. And the birth one was right. And the other was today. Well, come inside and have some supper. wife was a strange little woman who was pallid with the look of those who lived their lives indoors. Her husband introduced me as a friend of his who was an artist, and he informed her that I was staying to supper. I spoke, making some comment that I hoped I wouldn't be an intrusion, and she looked up at me and she said, You have a pleasing voice, Mr. Withencroft, and you're welcome in my home. I'm sorry Charles has not brought you here before. Very little was said during the meal, and after the sardines and watercress had been removed, she walked over to a cupboard, and she took down a thin black book, and as she handed it to me, she spoke. Would you read aloud, Mr. Withencroft? Puzzled, I... I looked down at the book which she'd opened and placed before me. It was a very tiny book, The Prophet, it was called, by an author unknown to me with a strange Eastern name. Khalil Gibran. And my eyes fell across the page, and suddenly I was reading, aloud, as she'd asked me to. Then Almitra spoke, saying, We would ask now of death. And he said, You would know the secret of death. But how shall you find it unless you seek it in the heart of life? The owl, whose night-bound eyes are blind unto the day, cannot unveil the mystery of light. If you would indeed behold the spirit of death, open your heart wide unto the body of life. For life and death are one, even as the river and the sea are one. In the depth of your hopes and desires lies your silent knowledge of the beyond. And like seeds dreaming beneath the snow, your heart dreams of spring. Trust the dreams, for in them is hidden the gate to eternity. Your fear of death is but the trembling of the shepherd when he stands before the king whose hand is to be laid upon him in honor. Is the shepherd not joyful beneath his trembling, that he shall wear the mark of the king? Yet is he not more mindful of his trembling? For what is it to die but to stand naked in the wind and to melt into the sun? And what is it to cease breathing but to free the breath from its restless tides that it may rise and expand and seek God unencumbered? Only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. 
and when you have reached the mountain top, then you shall begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then shall you truly dance. When I looked up, Mr. Atkinson had gone. But his wife stood before me, and as she took the book, she spoke. Thank you. Then I went outside, and I found Atkinson sitting on the gravestone and smoking. He looked up at me. Hot, hot. Man's not responsible for what he might do in this heat. Hmm. She's never asked anyone to read aloud before. And then we talked about the sketch again. He looked at it. Well, like this is me, all right. On trial? Uh, you must excuse my asking, but um, uh, do you know of anything you've done for which you could be put on trial? No, I've done nothing. <laughs> Not yet. He got up, fetched a can from the porch, and he began to water the flowers. Twice a day regular in the hot weather, and then the heat sometimes gets the better of the delicate ones, and ferns, good Lord, they could never stand it. Where do you live? I told him my address. It would take an hour's quick walk to get back home. Then he stopped watering, and he faced me squarely. It's like this. We look at the matter straight. If you go back home tonight, you take your chance of accidents. A cart may run over you. There's always banana skins and orange peels, to say nothing of falling ladders. He spoke of the improbable with an intense seriousness that would have been laughable six hours before. But I did not laugh. The best thing we can do is for you to stay here till 12 o'clock. Then it'll be tomorrow, do you see? Yes. We'll go upstairs and smoke. It may be cooler inside. And, to my surprise, I agreed. We are sitting in a long, low room beneath the eaves. Atkinson has sent his wife to bed. He himself is busy sharpening some tools at a little oilstone, smoking one of my cigars the while. And as I look at my sketch before me, I suddenly see the fuzzy outline of what the man in the picture holds in his hands. While I had not been able to sketch it before, I am able to do so now. It is a chisel, and it is stained with dark liquid. The sketch is completed now. The air seems charged with thunder, and I hear it in the distance. It is ominous, but but it carries the hope of rain. Oh, perhaps this damnable heat will, will be broken soon, and the day will soon be over. It is close to twelve. I am writing this 
at a shaky table before the open window. The leg is cracked. And Atkinson, who seems a handy man with his tools, is going to mend it as soon as he has finished putting an edge on his chisel. Ah, it is twelve. The day is over. And I shall be going home. But the heat, the heat is stifling. This heat is enough to send a man mad. And so closes August Heat, in which Roma Wines have brought you Ronald Coleman, a star of tonight's study in Suspense. Suspense is produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. Music for August Heat was composed by Lucian Marowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Dennis Hoy appeared as Atkinson. This is Ronald Coleman. It was certainly a great pleasure to make my first appearance on Suspense, especially in one of my favorite stories. And I hope I'll be invited again. Now, if you'll permit me... I have a most important word. As the battle lines approach the heart of the Japanese homeland, the fighting grows fiercer, more costly in men, material, and money. Every one of us must back this mighty Seventh War loan. Another reason, this is really two drives in one. So buy twice as much as last year and buy those war bonds now. Thank you. Next Thursday, you will hear John Payne and Frank McHugh as stars of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was Truman Bradley doing the announcing on there, and he got the CBS right at the end as opposed to the other announcer. That is August Heat, one of the... uh, most interesting and uh, creepiest stories ever told on Suspense. Ronald Coleman starring Dennis Hoey as the um, the other guy, the 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 um, this ugh, the guy who kills him. Ugh, scary stuff. May thirty first, nineteen forty five, on Suspense. Time for this month in music history. All right, here's our next creepy song. But why do I always feel? Somebody's watching me. Do you feel that way, Carl? Nah. Not too much. So that's uh, Michael Jackson in the background doing background vocals. That's exactly right. Guest yeah. vocals by Michael Jackson and Jermaine Jackson. Wow, Jermaine yep. too, huh? Mm-hmm. He was is- kind of Jermaine to the whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. didn't you think so? Yeah. Uh, Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell, released in 1984. Yeah. 
All right, thanks, Lisa Wolf. You're welcome. More of Hollywood 360 after this. I'm afraid to wash my hair because I might open my eyes and find someone standing there. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. This is our annual Halloween program of Hollywood 360. Hope you're enjoying it. And our next hour, a creepy and terrifying tale on the sealed book from 1945. But first, we're going to need a Hollywood 360 listener contestant to play Name That Tune with us. Right, Lisa? That's right. We're going to continue with the 1960s and play popular songs from the 1960s. So if you know your 1960s music, give us a call. 312 312- 642-5600. We're looking for caller number seven. Ooh, lucky, lucky seven. Lucky seven. And you know what, folks? Whether you win or not, whether you name the tune or not, you're going to get sent some really fun CDs. So we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, How to Be All Over Strong and Beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. 